quite often you come into the room to present the transaction for the employees uh, for the company that you have acquired and you can see different situations and uh, and in some of these situations it has been quite challenging when you when you look into the faces of the people and they basically just say by their body language why are you here i don't want you here From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Matt Crabtree, the founder of Positive Momentum, and on today's show we meet Jarl Overby, CEO of Net Nordic, a Scandinavian systems integrator specialising in solutions and services for mission-critical infrastructure within the areas of cybersecurity, secure data centres, secure networks, and secure integrated communications. Founded in 2001, Net Nordic today has approximately 500 employees working in 13 offices across Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland. Growing steadily, both organically and through acquisition, in 2020, Net Nordic's turnover was 1.8 billion Norwegian kroner, which in English pounds is about 150 million. Net Nordic calls itself a small, big company and distinguishes itself through its agility and flexibility in meeting customer demand in this ever-digitizing world we all live in. Its tagline is the best companion, and it's a commitment I've seen for real in our work with them over recent years. Jarl himself is a highly respected veteran of the Nordic technology industry, having held leadership roles with Xerox, Sony, and in Metacrayon to name but a very few. In 2013, he joined NetNordic as CEO and has built a team that's delivered more than 10 times growth since then. Now, maybe it's to do with his passion for football, but as you're going to hear, he's especially focused on building and maintaining the most progressive and dynamic culture possible. And I've been very lucky to have had a guest seat in the dugout, as it were, as he's been coaching his work team through the challenges and opportunities of recent years. So I started out as we always do on Meet the CEO by asking Jarl why he became a CEO. Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I feel that I've uh, always been some kind of natural leader. Uh, I don't know how it <laughs> sounds, but, uh, but um, natural for me to take responsibility. I've, uh, I played football and other sports when I was young. I was always captain and... Uh, always the, the the person that the the coach talked to etc etc so so it became quite natural for me and uh, and um, also my father was a CEO and uh, I talked a lot to him and uh, listened to his discussions when he was in phone or talking to my mom and uh, etc and discussing uh, different kind of dilemmas etc so so I, I've always been inspired by by taking a full responsibility. And, and I, when I started my career, I was a sales guy and later a sales director. But I, in a way, I always knew that at the end, I will be, I will be a CEO. Maybe that, that I thought it was the best role for me. It's really interesting, isn't it, how these things maybe run in the family. I don't know, maybe it's genetic nature or nurture. But I know, you know, when I grew up, my dad wasn't necessarily a CEO, but he ran a, a big farm. And so he was the kind of quote unquote boss and I'd probably like you 
would sit in his office and watch him doing his leadership thing. I'm not even sure we called it leadership then, but anyway, I just watched him doing his thing. And I guess it sort of seeps into you, doesn't it, really? And you think, well, I, I kind of want to be like that as well. Yeah, but I always liked the, the holistic approach to, to things. And, and, and uh, if you are the CEO, you really need to have the holistic approach to, 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 to all of the aspects of the business. So, so it, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's used me in a way. So uh, I've been in it for a while now, so hopefully it's not that bad. Uh, it definitely does suit you. And uh, and for our listeners' benefit, holistic um, is one of the key leadership principles um, for Net Nordic. And Jarl and his team are huge ambassadors for all of the people in Net Nordic to have this holistic view of the business, to not just see the business through a singular functional lens, but to see it in a broader context. And I think it's a really interesting aspect to the way that you you run net nordic it seems to be really effective yeah. so let me um ask you my second question which is about how you spend your time we ask everybody that we interview we try to get behind the curtain a little bit to discover you know what's your day like almost when nobody's watching do you have a part of the day y'all that you protect that's really important to you almost sacrosanct in the way that you operate um I think my daily work is is quite flexible, and so 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 it's it's a lot of flexibility. But actually, ten years ago, I started to meditate, and uh, I do that every morning. Uh, not every morning, because it could be that I'm traveling or something like that. But then I hope hopefully I can do it on the flight or or something like that. So I really try to to do that every day. Uh, and that's uh, that's um, yeah quite important thing for me to 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 spend twenty minutes uh, doing that. Um, Fifteen years ago, I would laugh about it, but uh, but I was introduced and, and uh, uh, a little bit pushed into it uh, as uh, as an inspiration, and and uh, and I found it quite uh, good. Uh, so so I'm trying to do that every day, but. Uh, I could be flexible when I do it, etc. But what I can't be flexible on is if Liverpool play plays uh, play games, then then I really have to watch. <laughs> so so that, that's maybe more more important than ever. <laughs> there are there are some things that won't wait, and a, a game at Anfield is clearly one of those things. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a strong fan, so so I watch basically every game. Oh, very good. I'm going to find myself there actually in a couple of weeks' time. Um, one of our clients is a sponsor of uh, Liverpool and they're playing Leicester, which is my team. So mm -hmm. I'm there with their sponsor. So I'm not quite sure who to support at that particular event. I probably shouldn't have said that on this podcast, but anyway, there we go. I do love doing these interviews with people who I know. You know, you and I have spent a lot of time together and I had no idea about the meditation element. And I think it's really great, by the way. And I think you're not alone, by the way, in the kind of job that you do where you are spread across multiple countries, you've got demanding shareholders, you've got a fast-growing business, a bit of quiet time every day, however you might find it, is clearly crucial to making sure that you've got the space to make the right decisions. But um, yeah, I love how I find out about things I never knew, probably ought to have asked before um, as we've travelled around the Nordics together. <laughs> so um, let's talk about challenges, Yarl. Um, 
obviously, as I say to everybody that we have as guests at the moment, clearly the last couple of years have been really remarkable in all of our lives um, due to the pandemic. But what is the most challenging situation that you've encountered while you've been a CEO? And of course, you know, what have you learned from it? But actually, um, I would say we've done, uh, in my career, uh, we have done, I've done a lot of acquisitions and by that also integrations uh, because it's very often people involved um, and it's not a, a factory with a green button and, and just push it and then everything is working. So it's very much people involved. Uh, so it's not a single situation when it comes to M&A and integrations, et cetera. Actually, easy part of, of those kind of processes is to do the transaction, uh, even though that could be difficult as well. And, and always, there's always differences in every process. But the, the, the most uh, challenging part as a, as, a, as a leader is the integration part. Quite often, you come into the room to present the transaction for the employees uh, for the company that you have acquired and you can see different situations and uh, and in some of these situations it has been quite challenging when you when you look into the faces of the people and they basically just say by their body language why are you here i don't want you here uh, <laughs> and that's uh that's a quite critical moment because it's uh, it's about winning the people and getting them to understand the rationale behind and who are we and what are we going to do and, and what kind of um, thinking uh, will be short-term, long-term, etc. And there's always a strategy uh, to, 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 to allow them to believe, okay, I'll, I'll give them some time. Uh, so, so, so that's that's a quite challenging moment, and the most challenging moments in that uh, part uh, is when the business that you are acquiring is doing bad, because then they are busy with the wrong things, and and you are in urgency, and and people for good reasons they are frustrated etc cetera, etc cetera. so so that's that that's where timeline is is quite critical and, and then you really need to identify the the, the key people uh, the, the sponsors for actually getting it right uh, because it could be or they're always good people in an organization but it could be that it's managed wrong etc cetera, etc cetera. so 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 those kind of situations are quite challenging it's not a single answer to how you you run it. it this is this is a way also what i like is to to go into these kind of situations and 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 read the landscape and and uh, and and uh, uh being a conductor in a way uh, because you can do wrong timing you can say the wrong things or the right things uh, to get people uh, along and uh, you all, you never do perfect, but but it's uh, it's about getting most of the things uh, right, and then make progress and and getting people to start believing. Uh, yeah, it's been a really interesting aspect of working with you over the last few years because you have a real talent as an organisation, and I'll, and I'll, you know not to flat over flatter you, but as an individual, I think for spotting really interesting acquisitions 
but you seem to have a particular skill with founders who have built their businesses up and then bringing them into the fold. And that's always, as you say, you look into the eyes of them and they've been used to being independent and not having to ask anybody to do anything. And I know because I work directly with some of them these days when you're not in the room and I know what they say about you behind your back. And the good news is it's good. <laughs> but but I wonder how, just take a quick diversion, um, how do you do that? How do you build particularly that relationship with those founders who you then commonly you bring into Net Nordic and they stay, right? They stay as part of the organization. How do you do that? Give us the secret or secrets. Yeah, but it's uh, it's about, it's very often I contacting the company uh, and by that contacting the founders. So, so the process starts with that. And then we spend time uh, to build up trust. And, and uh, obviously it's a little bit easier now because we have a track, track record of doing it. Uh, so so we, we basically have the references. Uh, we, we actually have more than 20 founders in the company we are 500 today, but 20 founders, and 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 the, many of them are like wildcats. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're very hard to control. Uh, but 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 we have found uh, a common ground on on business, etc., and also an acceptance from their side that uh, timing-wise, it's it's most likely good to step into something bigger. Uh, because they see some limitations uh, at their side uh, that, okay, I've taken the business up to 30 people, 40 people or whatever. And now I'm actually, uh, I'm quite stressed regarding how to bring it forward. Uh, could you please help me? But it's my baby. Uh, and then, yeah, and, and then we discuss back and forth and, and we always do integration plans prior to signing the contracts. So, so that everybody knows basically what will happen. Um, and, and that's that's a success criteria. Um, and uh, it never goes 100% as planned, but, but you have discussed the basic elements of, 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 the, of the prioritization, the importance, uh, et cetera, and, and building up the storyline, et cetera, et cetera. And when we enter, enter the room, it's, okay, I can say, what I need to say, and it's obviously something that I really think through, but the most important thing is what the founders are, uh, because they are the reference. Um, and uh, so, so it's, um, it, it's about getting connected with, with those guys and, and also having, because if you take six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road, there will be uh, situations where they are frustrated. And, and maybe they are not reporting to me, but I have a dialogue with them. Yeah. Uh, but it's always aligned with, uh, let's say, the country head or something like that, uh, so that, that, that we say the same things. But I also have a reference back to what we talked about. Uh, and, and, and by that, you, you need to make them a little bit frustrated because we, we are also on a journey where we need to change something even and and then it's a reminder for them as well okay yeah i i i remember we have talked about yeah very good very good well i I think i think you i think you'll probably want to call you the wildcat whisperer because i i think it is that dialogue that you have with them that just it just does seem to make it work and i you know i've watched m&a work for you know very nearly 30 years now 
and you, the way you guys do it, it is it is genuinely impressive um Anyway, let's uh, keep talking about people. Uh, and this, I don't know, this might go further back in your career or it might be uh, might be up to date. Who's most influenced the way that you lead, Jarl? You've mentioned um, your father already, so that may well be a factor. But who else or in what way did he influence the way you lead? Not a single person. I, I think you, you, you put it together uh, with, with the inspiration and the people that you have uh, besides you. It could be good and bad. Uh, you can also learn from people that okay, I'll never do like that. But but mostly, it's from from managers. It's also from employees, people in the management team, etc. Always being inspired uh, by that and and trying to recruit people that are better than me in in many areas. So so it, it's about uh, uh, getting the inspiration from from uh, several people. Um, my father, yes. Uh, big impact on, on my thinking, et cetera, et cetera. So, so he is maybe the single one. But I, but, I, but I also take some inspiration from sport, actually. Um, even though business is business and sport is sport, but uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jürgen Klopp. Uh, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a great manager. And, uh, and obviously, it's different to run a football club uh, versus a business. But, but what I really... Uh, like about him is that uh, he seems to balance quite strongly being hard and being soft um, and, and finding that balance uh, because you need and it's, it's not a single answer to when is that right or that wrong etc but but he, he turns negative situations into something positive and, and getting into attack uh, in, a, in, a, in a soft way uh on, on challenges so so yeah it's a number of people but uh trying to, to pick from uh from various yeah yeah very good I and mean, we've heard that a lot actually is that it's not it's not a single person it's a blend of people um less actually um sport influence from the people that we've had on the show um so far i suspect uh, using yoga club will be polarizing for some of our uh, listeners some people might be right behind you and i can imagine others now going oh you must be joking but anyway, um so you talked a little bit about management team Let, let's move on um to that because you know quite rightly you say you know that that informs the way that you lead what have you found is the secret to building a, a really effective exec team? You know, you've been both a member and now the leader of, of an executive team. Now, you know, you've got a team that span countries across the Nordics as well as functional leaders. What What's the secret to building a really effective exec? Obviously, the challenge that each individual um have as their 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 let's say role, but but as a as a management team as such, I, th- I think it's critical to have uh, to share values, uh, to have a common ground on how we view, uh, how to operate a, a business, how to develop uh, a business, um, and uh, understanding the purpose, uh, why are we doing it aligning on the strategy, but having a shared value, uh, core value uh, base, it's easier to discuss strategy, it's e- easier to discuss uh, the why, um, etc. And then I also think it's, it's very important to have um, a transparent uh, group, uh, and also being, and I've learned that quite a lot from, from my sport background, 
brutal honest. Uh, and and uh, and brutal sounds maybe too brutal, but 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 in a way, transparency. Okay, this is good. This is bad, uh, etc. It's uh, it's uh, it, it's it's hard to to really get into that situation for 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 a group. Um, but I'm trying as good as possible to 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 make that uh, or having that as a as a cultural element in the management uh, group. And then I think it's important to have um, this the, the, the discussion uh, being very open and uh, etc. and and avoid having or having bad memory because if you if you have a uh, if you have a situation where ah oh, you said that to me and that's uh, two months ago etc. etc. you're you're really Take, pulling out the trust of the, of the group, etc. So you need to allow heavy discussions, conclusions, and then we move forward. Uh, so too much sensitivity in that regard is not. Is not. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it, um, for execs at, at that level because you've got to accept that it's not personal, that you're building a business and that every day we're getting some things right, we're getting some things wrong, but we've got to be able to tell each other. There's a famous book called Radical Candor um, of a few years ago, which I think is a brilliant piece of work and and required reading, I think, for every exec, which is we've got to really be straight with each other to move at what some people call COVID speed, you know, to keep our businesses growing at, at the rate that we have to. Got to be able to have that open dialogue and then to be able to have a beer afterwards, I noticed that with your team that, you know, you can talk to each other pretty brutally. I don't think it's a bad word. I think it's entirely appropriate. And then afterwards, go and have a drink together and, and it's okay. Um, but goodness me, it could be easier. As a CEO, you've got to keep on building that atmosphere. I think that's why your values that you, I know you've always focused on so hard in that order. It's why they're such an important anchor for you as a business, isn't it? Whenever anything kind of gets a little bit out of shape you can go back to for our listeners what they call art at um uh, net nordic which is ambitious reliable and team oriented it's the kind of center of the business and their yarls and yarls teams values and uh, referenced regularly and i think you you use them really well as an anchor uh, in a way that some organizations don't they just use them as a sort of poster on the wall or a mouse mat in days gone by and um you really use them as an anchor i think it's great and and, and one element um uh, with most of the people in my management team have been in larger international organizations but i think we are really really focusing on not establishing this political cultural element which you often see in big organizations and, and, and that you really need to be on top of, because if you are not on top of that and taking the examples out, uh, then over time, you may develop into that situation. And that, that we left that and we don't want to create it, even though we are becoming bigger. So, so this is a big task for, for the management. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a whole separate podcast is how do you move from a major multinational corporate in the way that most of you on the senior leadership team have into what is still, as you quite rightly say, a 
big and getting bigger business, but it's but it's small by comparison, at least in terms of numbers of people, to the places that you all came from. And how do you make that transition? And as, as you and I know, some people make it brilliantly and it's an enormous relief. It's liberating for them. And for others, it's incredibly difficult and, and actually causes them all sorts of anxiety. And, and it wasn't what they hoped it would be. But yeah, that's probably a separate session all of its own. Um, listen, last couple of questions. I know you're tight for time. Um, what's big on your horizon? Yeah, what's the what's the biggest change as you look into 2022 and beyond? What What's big for you on your horizon? It's obvious to, to, to say climate is obviously a big thing. Uh, also, uh, there is a lot of changes going on with the digitalization being a key factor and, and people talking about uh, 2030, it's a new industrial revolution where the, the, the IT part is, is playing a big role. Uh, let's, it's, in a way, it's exciting because it's giving some new opportunities from a business perspective. But from a more overall perspective, I'm, I'm actually quite worried about the gaps between us uh, as people globally, uh, because those kind of differences that are created and COVID obviously is not uh, helping at all. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so the gaps between the poor and and the and the the, the wealthy part of the the world is, is is a big challenge, and that will come into with the climate and and all of that uh, and uh, uh, migration potentially, uh, et cetera. So I actually read yesterday that uh, the 26 richest people in the world, they have the same, uh, they are as wealthy as the 50% in the world lower end. And that kind of gap is, uh, okay, it's good that people become rich because they're, they're growing, the, the, the economy is, is, is going in the right direction, but it's unhealthy. So, so the, the, something has to be done. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's the kind of, I don't know about you, but it's the kind of thing that my um, young adult children engage me in a conversation about routinely. Um, and they're absolutely right. And I think they will be the generation who find an accommodation for it make peace with it make sense of it but we uh, have still got a good few years ahead of us right and we've got our part to play mm. in making sure that the gigantic wealth that's been created in a small number of people is mobilized to good effect and the optimist in me the positive person in me wants to see examples of that and i think there are examples of that I suspect there are many more hidden examples of of the opposite of that, of the wealth being hoarded and not being deployed for good intent. And uh, both us and our uh, our young adult wildcats um, are, uh, I'm sure, going to make sense of it, and I'm sure are going to, you know, address this climate crisis that we can't ignore any longer. Um, but um, never a shortage of things to do. Yeah, one last question. Um, many of the people who listen to this are either thinking about being CEOs uh, one day. I think we have a good few CEOs who subscribe as well. Um, and if they're not in those two categories, most people who listen in have to work with CEOs from time to time. Give us three quick last bits of advice for anyone who aspires to the CEO role. What, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago um, that uh, would have been useful advice for the journey that you have been on and continue to be on? 
think uh, if you aim for becoming a CEO, it's it's it, it has to come natural in a way. So I would say trust the process and first comes first. And first comes first means the job you have today, do it good. Uh, and uh, and uh, so so do the best job you can do at where you are now. That that's the number one advice. And and then the, there will be a you are in the process and and and, and trust that process. Um, the second one is is yes, create results. That's that's important. Um, but also learn. Uh, so be humble and and, and learn and build skills uh, on on the on the various uh, roles that you have but also from from the companies and 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 uh, the customers or whoever that that you can learn from building and and, uh, and evolving your your skills and uh, that's potentially also general advice is uh, independent of having a, an ambition being ceo uh, but if you want to be a ceo i think to develop the holistic ability is is uh, very important. Um, I I see one of the the factors that often differentiate people having uh, clearly leadership roles are the ability to to say no, um, because people tend to be a little bit too uh, coward. Um, and and having an opinion, but saying it behind the curtains instead of uh, saying it in a constructive way. Uh, but uh, but but you you have to be bold. You 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 have to be brave enough to to say uh, no and yes uh, and and finding that balance. And by that having the holistic uh, ability. So what is best for the total uh, is 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 something that you need to ask and. Uh, and work with the work on principles. Uh, stay on the principles because it's often assisting you to to make good decisions instead of being too colored of ah, but I like this guy or that guy or or her or whatever. What's the principles? Let's lean on the principles and and, and take a holistic approach to the the challenge, the the opportunity, uh, etc. That's fantastic advice. And it reminds me actually, Yal, of the very first time we met in Oslo, we were introduced by a uh, by one of your team who was a kind of common friend between you and I. And I remember you talking me through your leadership principles. So beyond the values, your leadership principles. And one that, as you know, has always struck out for me is prestigeless. And I'd never really seen that word before like i understand what it means but i'd never seen it sort of certainly not used in a corporate context and i I don't know if you remember me looking slightly quizzical at you and asking you a few questions about it but but i've come to understand that that bit of what you just described that humble piece that piece about it doesn't matter what your title is it doesn't matter what level you're at what we're doing here is building something together and we talk to each other openly not behind each other's backs and it's it's such a great principle. I really, I really love it, and think that it's got real distinction. Um, so, thanks for the opportunity um, to work with you. Thanks for coming along um, today and being our, our guest on Meet the CEO. From um, meditation to wildcat 
taming and Liverpool FC. I think we've covered quite a lot <laughs> in 20, 25 minutes. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Yarl. I'm really looking forward to seeing you back in Oslo before too long. But for now, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. We're very lucky at Positive Momentum to work with lots of values-driven leaders, but the extent to which Jarl and his team live and breathe theirs, well, it's really something else. Running a business with more than 20 founders in it clearly keeps Jarl on his toes, but with sometimes brutal honesty, an always holistic approach and a strong effort to keep those big corporate politics at bay, I've seen firsthand the culture that they've been able to create and of course the results that they've been able to achieve as a consequence. In more and more of our Meet the CEO interviews, we're hearing how the climate crisis is quite rightly taking centre stage strategically. But Jarl is the first to connect this explicitly with growing global wealth inequality. Something that in truth for most of us is rather too easy to ignore, but that it's high time we shone a much brighter spotlight on. Many thanks to Yarl for joining us and thanks of course to you for listening. We're nothing without our audience and we love hearing your feedback. So please keep it coming. Tell us what you like, tell us what you loathe. And of course, if you haven't given us a rating or even subscribed yet, well, you know what to do. Meantime, best wishes to you in all your endeavours and look forward to welcoming you to the very next episode of Meet the CEO from Positive Momentum.